Uh, we want to go to the Word of God to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. I'll give you the text just in a moment. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, 6, and 7 is a timeless message. 2,000 years ago, uh, after Jesus uh, first preached this, it's still as relevant today as it was back then. God's word is relevant for every generation. It's never, ever out of date. Jesus pulled no punches in this hard-hitting sermon. Time and time again, he challenged the hearers' values, their morals, their ethics, their actions, and their attitudes. And several times he said, you have heard of old that it was said, but I say unto you, In fact, more than a dozen times in those three chapters, he says, but I say unto you. In other words, this is right up to date. Yes, you heard from old, but I'm telling you today, right now. And so it's important for us to understand this is for us today, right now. This is for the world today. And Jesus spoke uh, just about almost every major issue that uh, human beings have to face and have to deal with in this life. This is where the rubber hits the road. And so Jesus, knowing that, he spoke into every situation that we're liable to face in this life. Emotional issues, you know, things like worry and and anger and fear. Uh, Relational issues, uh, you know, like marriage and divorce and uh, love and getting on with each other and, and, and Moral issues like adultery and greed and lust and and spiritual issues like prayer and fasting and and seeking after God and putting God first and and, uh, and, and all the Beatitudes and all of that. And so those three chapters is just jam-packed full of great stuff for us to read. And and I encourage you to read those three chapters many, many, many times and stop and think what Jesus has just said. Uh, And by the time Jesus was ending his ceremony, I think it was clear to his listeners that what he was saying, what he was advocating, uh, life in his kingdom would be very, very different than what they saw commonly around them. And so it was going to be a massive challenge to them, and it's a big challenge to us also. However, there must have been many in the crowd that day who were somewhat disappointed Because as they listened intently to what he was saying, they would find it challenging. Uh, They would find there would be limits and restrictions and boundaries would be set. And lines would be drawn in the sand that were not to cross. Uh, And so that, uh, a reason why I say that was probably somewhat disappointing for them is because they grew up under Judaism. Uh, And Judaism had many, 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 many laws. In fact, God in the Old Testament gave hundreds of laws, not just the Ten Commandments, but hundreds of laws which they were to keep that would govern all of their lives, every part of their lives. And then on top of that, the scribes and the Pharisees, they invented man-made laws, hundreds more. And the people were bent over and bowed down with all the burden of all these laws. And yet, here's Jesus, he comes along and he's preaching liberty and grace and freedom. And, and, and he's the one, you know, who's, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. And yet in spite of that, and all of that's true, the gospel is liberating and sets man free. But in spite of that, if you read closely to what he's saying and listen to it, you'll find limitations. 
and restrictions and boundaries. And so they soon figured out, probably fairly quickly, that to live this type of life, it wasn't going to be easy. In fact, it was going to be quite challenging, to say the least. Uh, Sacrifices would have to be made. Uh, Changes to lifestyles would have to be made. You know, in order to, to live, you're going to have to die to yourself. In order to receive, you're going to have to give. In order to be a leader, you're going to have to serve. You know, it was very, very different, an entirely different way of thinking to live the life that Christ wants us to live. Jesus was very good at gauging uh, what his audience was thinking. When he, when he spoke, he watched them, and he could see the reactions or the responses, and he was good at gauging that. And so towards the end of his message, uh, then he says in verse 13 and 14, something very, very profound that affected not only them, but affects us today. In verse 13, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are a few who find it. So knowing how they were reacting and responding, he was challenging them and he's challenging us today. Uh, And so in one stroke, Jesus reduces all of life to two choices, to two lifestyles, either the broad way or the narrow way. And the broad way leads to death. The narrow way leads to life. The broad way leads to ruin. The narrow way leads to redemption. And there is only two ways that we can live in this life, either on the broad way, on the broad road, or on the narrow road, either one of them. But we can't live in both of them. So what is the broad road? What, what does the broad road represent? It represents consensus. It represents popular and public opinion. It represents whatever's trending today. Uh, That's what it represents. It represents how the Broadway thinks, what everybody else is doing. If everybody's doing it, it must be all right. So it's okay for me to do it. That's how the Broadway thinks. Uh, There are no spiritual speed limits on the broad road. You can drive as fast as you want. You can play as hard as you like. Nobody's going to say anything to you because everybody that's on that broad road is basically thinking the same way that you're thinking. And so you'll have plenty of of comfort. You'll have plenty of encouragement to live that way because that's the way the world lives. And you may look around and say, well, everybody's doing it, it must be okay. Or look, my best friends are doing this, so it must be okay. Or everybody in my class or everybody in my work or everybody in my family, so it must be okay. But it's not okay. That's the broad road. That's the way they think. So with this philosophy of life, there is no limits, no barriers, no boundaries. But people today are always pushing the boundaries back a little bit further. The modern terminology is pushing the envelope, isn't it? Pushing the envelope. So whether it's the arts or whether it's literature, whether it's movies or whether it's dramas, the boundaries are continually being pushed. The boundaries of taste the boundaries of decency, the boundaries of morality. They're continually being pushed. Our grandparents would blush at what we see and what we read and what we hear today. They would blush. They didn't get that in their day. But the boundaries continually are pushed 
all of the time. And so that's what's wanted. We don't want restrictions. We don't want limits. We don't want boundaries. We don't want any of that. And the broad road says you're too narrow-minded. Broaden your thinking. You know, this is the 21st century, don't you know? This is not the first century. I mean, we have come a long, long way. We're more enlightened. Things have changed. Culture's changed. The way we think has changed. Yeah, that's true. Doesn't mean it's right. So we're told to broaden our thinking. Stop telling us how to live. Don't judge us. Think bigger. Think broader. Marriage is too restrictive, they say. So, so let's do away with that old, outdated institution. It's no longer necessary. Who needs a piece of paper these days? Anyway, you can just live together. doesn't matter. Everybody's doing that, they say. Sexuality is too restrictive. So let's do away with all the old puritanical ideals. Let's do away with that. Let's be up to date. Don't judge anybody. And of course, gender. That's too restrictive. It doesn't matter about science. It doesn't matter about biology. It doesn't matter what your chromosomes say. None of that matters. It's how you feel matters. That's what really matters in life, how you feel. And if you don't feel today you're this or you're that, well then just change it. And in fact, the government backs that. The government wants to make that in law. So ignore all the science and the biology and the chromosomes. If you feel you want to be another gender today or tomorrow, go ahead. That's the modern world we live in. That's the broad way. That's how it thinks. But here's the problem. If there's no boundaries and there's no barriers, a river without its banks is just a swamp. A river without its banks is just a swamp. And a swamp is a very dangerous place to be, isn't it? A swamp will pull you in, it will suck you down. It's a dangerous place to be in a swamp. But that's the broad way. In Psalm 2, verses 1 to 3, here's what the psalmist said. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed now it's saying, listen to what they say. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. In other words, don't bind us. Don't tie us in. Don't limit us. Put no barriers up. Cast away their cords. Don't let them bind us. That's what they're saying. <laughs> you know, the world looks at us and says, Christian particularly, you say, we're all a bunch of narrow-minded, puritanical bigots. <laughs> That's, that's what they say. We're too narrow for them. You know, we're too narrow. We're, we're not on the broad way. We're in the narrow way. So we are in the kingdom of God. And it's entirely different values, different morals, different everything. And that's what makes it a narrow way. And few there be that find it, relatively speaking. The broad way, there's plenty on the broad way. The motto of the broad way is live and let live. That's the motto, isn't it? Live and let live. You know, accept everything. You know, tolerate everything. Approve of everything. It's gone from tolerating and accepting to approving. You must approve it. If you don't approve it, you're a bigot. <laughs> if you don't approve it, there's something wrong with you today. So, in other words, Christians, mind your own business. <laughs> the trouble is, we're not allowed to mind our own business. As soon as we bring up our business, we're shot down, aren't we? We're shot down. We're too narrow. We're bigoted. We're prejudiced. You know, we're anti this and anti that. So, so our business is not acceptable to the broad way. 
the broad way says that there are many ways to God. Not just Jesus only, many ways. So just pick any way. Any way you want. As long as you're sincere in what you believe, go ahead. Who's going to argue because you're sincere? That's the way the Broadway thinks. The Broadway has crept into the church. It's called progressive Christianity. You've heard that term, haven't you? Progressive Christianity. And, and progressive Christianity is basically saying, yeah, you can be a Christian. It's good to be a Christian, but live it every way you like. Don't let anybody judge you on how you live. And after all, you could not expect us to believe today in the 21st century all those old biblical accounts. You can't expect scientific people to believe that. You know, that's the way the Broadway thinks. You're an idiot if you believe that. You're deluded if you believe that. You're mad. You're nuts if you believe those things. Who believes in Adam and Eve anymore, they say? You know, even Christians are saying this. Progressive Christians, you believe in Adam and Eve? I mean, that was just a, an allegory. That was just to spiritualize something for us. But they didn't really live. They weren't real people. Well, too bad Jesus didn't know that because Jesus believed Adam was a real person. He talked about him. Paul believed he was a real person. In fact, Paul likened Jesus. Jesus was the last Adam, Paul said. He was the second man. So they obviously believed in a literal, real Adam. You don't expect us to believe that stuff about Jonah being swallowed by a great fish. I mean, who in the world in the right mind would believe that? <laughs> well, Jesus believed it. In fact, he used it as an illustration of what was going to happen to him after the cross, between the cross and between going back to death. He used that as an illustration between the cross and the resurrection, three days and three nights, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish. So he obviously believed it. Who believes that old stuff about Noah? And the, and the worldwide flood. Do you think scientists believe that? Huh? Do you think ecologists believe that? Do you think evolutionists believe that? Well, it's true. The Bible believes it. Apostle Peter certainly believed it. In fact, he mentioned it three times in his two epistles. In 1 Peter 2, he mentions it. In 1 Peter 3, he mentions it twice. He absolutely believed in it. For sure he believed in it. And two of the gospel writers believed in it. Also, they, they mention it. They quote it. So this progressive Christianity is nonsense. It's an excuse to live whatever way you like. And at the end of it, you're going to heaven anyway. doesn't matter how you live. That's what it's about, really. The Bible says in Proverbs 14 and 12, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to death. It seems right, it feels right, it looks right, it sounds right, but it's wrong, completely wrong. Because it's the broad way. Remember, it was the broad way that crucified Jesus. He was too narrow for the religious world. He was too narrow because he said he was the son of God. Uh, he, he was too narrow because <laughs> he said that he would sit at the right hand of the Father. He was too narrow for all of that. He was too narrow Whenever he said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life, that was too narrow for them. So what did they do? They crucified him. He was too narrow for the secular world. He was too principled. He was too honest. He was too holy. He was too righteous. He was too humble. So what did they do? They crucified him. If you and I are going to live for Jesus in this world and we're going to be on the narrow road, then there's going to be lots of opportunity to get offended, so we better get used to it. Because we're going to have lots to offend us.
And you have to suck it up because it's going to happen more and more and more. And so the philosophy of this world is the broad way. Not the narrow way, but the broad way. I wonder how long it will be before some group or other will lobby the government to stop Christians saying that Jesus is the only way to God because it offends somebody's religion. I wonder how long that will be. You think that couldn't happen? This government has passed laws this past 10 or 20 years that I never ever thought I'd see in my lifetime. So they can happen pretty fast. Is this new? Of course not. Jesus spoke about it. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12 and 2 do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One translation says, do not allow the world to mold you into its shape. The world is always trying to mold us into its shape to get us to think their way. This is why Paul said here, we have to renew our mind because the battle often is in the mind. Our minds are bombarded daily with the ways of the broad way and we're in the narrow way. So we'll have to think differently. We'll have to think biblically, scripturally. That's not easy to do when you have to live in a world that's controlled by the broad way. We, we, we're like salmon, we go against the, the swim, don't we? We go upstream, not downstream. That can be difficult. In, in Colossians chapter 2, Verse 4, Now I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith. People were coming, Paul was not there, people were coming into the church <laughs> and, and trying to turn these people's minds away from the truth of the gospel. So he says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware anyone, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Be careful that nobody deceive you and cheat you and take you captive, actually, the original says, and plunder you. That's what the world wants to do. That's what it's about. Do you remember Daniel and the three Hebrew boys taken into Babylonian captivity? You know, one of the very first things they did was to change their names. You know, they had Hebrew names that reflected God. And so they wanted to give them pagan names. Daniel was Belteshazzar. And then Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael was you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they gave them these idolatrous names. They enrolled them for three years in the University of Babylon to change their thinking, to read their literature, to make them think differently. Uh, and, and it changed their very food that they ate, the very clothes that they wore. They want to assimilate them into their society. Now these were the brightest and best that came from uh, you know, from, from Israel, 
as captives. So they wanted to train them to be courtiers in their court, but they have to change them to do that. They have to think in the broad way now. They came from the narrow way. Now they're in the broad way. You know, whenever a young person goes to university, a young Christian goes to university, I mean, immediately the atmosphere is different. Thank God for Christian organizations and universities to help young Christians to keep together because they're going to be bombarded with ideologies and different thoughts and philosophies that are not godly, that are not biblical, they're anti-biblical. And so it's, it's pressure. Just the way the, those four young men uh, from, from Israel was treated in Babylon, there's a lot of pressure on them to think differently, to act differently, to see differently. That's the broad way. But what's the narrow way? Well, yes, there's some restrictions, there's some barriers, there's some limits, there's some boundaries. But what there are is for our benefit. It's, it's to bless us. Amen. You know, it's not to steal our joy, it's to help us to keep our joy. It's not to take away our peace, it's to help us to keep our peace. If God puts any restrictions in our lives, if he draws any lines in the sand, it's for our good, isn't it? You know, but the devil comes along then and he wants to change that. He said to Eve, has God said? Only one restriction in the whole garden, only one thing that we're not to do. And Satan immediately challenged that one thing. And of course they did it and they fell, didn't they? Now here's a problem. You see, whenever we come to Christ and we realize the gospel has set us free and has given us tremendous liberty, because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But some Christians now say, I'm free. So I can live whatever way I like, you see, because I'm free. <laughs> Grace is so wonderful, you can do whatever you like because you're free now. You're not under any laws or any restrictions. You're so free. But you're not free to live however you like without consequences. And when you read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you'll see... There's limitations to what you can do or what you should be doing or what you should be even acting like. There's limitations. Yes, it's freedom. Yes, it's liberty. But anything God restricts us, it's for our good. Imagine, imagine if the government today brought out a law and said that tomorrow from 12 o'clock noon to 12 o'clock midnight, there will be no restrictions on the public roads, you can drive whatever way you like, as fast as you like. In fact, if you want to drive on the other side of the road, you go ahead, you can. All, this, all the traffic lights will be switched off. And if you go to the roundabout instead of going clockwise, you can go anti-clockwise. You mean just whatever way you like, you can drive. So what are you going to do tomorrow? I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay in the house. That's what I'm going to do. I am not going out on the roads tomorrow if that's the case. So we like those restrictions. They're for our benefit. They're for everybody's benefit. Well, God's no different. I mean, some of you have got coal fires in your home. Some of you have got wood burners in your home. You know, real flames, real fire, not like radiators that we've got. I gave up lighting fires years ago. I said to Sal, I'm never going to light another fire in my life. I'm tired of lighting fires. That's it. Let's get oil. But you would never dream of setting a fire in the middle of your living room on your carpet and striking a match. You'd never dream of doing that. That'd burn your house down. You'd put it in a grate. 
You put it in a wood stove. You hide it. You put barriers. You put limits on it. Otherwise, you burn your house down and maybe next door along with it. So why do Christians think that you can just do whatever you like without any consequences? No, no, no. No. God restricts us for our benefit. It takes courage, courage to walk this narrow way. In Hebrews 11, it tells us about Noah. Consider this for a moment. Before the flood, up until the flood, thousands of years, up until the flood, there's only three people that's noted as being godly. Abel, Enoch, and Noah. We talked about Enoch last week. And think of this, Noah, he came hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later after Enoch. And the world by them was so wicked, it was so evil that God was going to destroy it with a flood. And there was only one person in the whole world, just one man that found grace in the eyes of the Lord, Noah. Just one man who was godly. Just one man who stood up for God. There's only one man who trusted God, had faith in God, believed in God. Just one person, one man, Noah, out of the whole world. Boy, he was walking in our way, wasn't he? He was the only one on the narrow way. Everybody was on the broad way. And even though God gave them opportunity and chance to repent, they did not, and the flood came and destroyed them. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 7, by faith, by faith in God, that is, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. One man, and that one man saved his family, eight and all. And from that cluster, that bubble is the phrase today, the whole world began to multiply to where we are today. Just one person. See, you never know the influence that you may have as being that one person in your classroom, in your household, in your community, in your street, on your office, on your job. You may be the only one walking the narrow way, but it's amazing how many people you can influence by doing that. Daniel and three Hebrew boys. Out of all the thousands of the flower of Israel that was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon, only four are mentioned. Now maybe there was more. I don't know, maybe there were 7,000 who had not bowed the knee to Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know. But they're not mentioned. Only four out of all of those thousands are mentioned they were the ones who took the stand. Those three Hebrew boys were the ones who would not bow down to that statue. They just, they just refused to do it. And even though, even though they were thrown into the fiery furnace, as somebody said, because they did not bow, God saw it that they would not burn. And they came out alive. And they impacted that ungodly king. Daniel refused 
not to stop. He, re he refused. He would not stop praying to God. Because the order was, you can only pray to the king. You cannot pray to any other God. And he refused. And three times a day, as he did a fourth time, he kept praying. And what happened? They threw him into the lion's den. And God gave them all lockjaw. <laughs> and he was spared. And so it is a narrow way, isn't it? And sometimes in that narrow way, you may feel very much alone. Because you're the only one that's doing it. You're the only one that's walking this way. You're the only one that's going God's way in the midst of it all. But that's okay. That's all right. I remember, I remember the night I got saved. That was a Sunday night. And I was on the night shift that night. So I had to go straight from church where I got saved to work that night. And I knew, I knew I was in for it. Because that was the broad way. And I knew as soon as I would declare, <laughs> I tell you the slagging started. And boy, it started. And it kept going <laughs> to the day I left. But that was all right. That was okay. And yes, there were other Christians who befriended me and were very helpful. But those other guys, every opportunity, and, and a lot of it was just good banter. A lot of it was just banter. And, and you had to understand that, not be upset. But there was one or two that was more than banter. They really, really, really just did not, they just did not like believers. And, uh, but that was okay. That was all right. I, I nailed my colors to the mast. This is the life. This is my choice. This is what I'm doing. I'm going God's way. No matter what, I'm going God's way. And that was it. This thing was settled in my heart. That was it. And that's the way it's been ever since. And that's maybe what some of you will have to do. You know, I particularly young people, when you start to go to college or university, you're going to have to nail your colors to the mast. You really are. Because it's going to come at you from all sides. You're going to have to be strong and say, no, I've made up my mind. I'm going to follow Christ. That's it. That's the way it's going to be. And when you do that, let me tell you, God will honor you. You know, one of the guys who gave me the hardest time, the day I was leaving, my last day, he came to me and he said, David, you know, I said a lot of things and, you know, to you and about you and against you and all the rest of it. He says, I want you to know, secretly, I really admired you because he says, you had the guts to stand up for what you believed. He was constantly testing me. It wasn't very nice, but in the end of the day, that's the way it is. We're in the narrow way. Did you ever walk through a turnstile? Not so much these days, but years ago, particularly, well, maybe it still is in some of the old football grounds there are, there was turnstiles, and only one could go through at a time. You know, and you paid your fee, and you went through, and the next paid your fee, and you went through. But only one at a time. Nobody could go through with you. And you couldn't take a big bag with you. You couldn't take a big suitcase with you. Only one go through. No baggage. No baggage. And when you come on this narrow way, you have to come through that gate by yourself. Nobody can come through it with you. You've got to make that choice and that decision, and you've got to go through it. And the baggage of the old life has got to be left behind. There's no need for it in the new life. How narrow is this way? How narrow is this gate? It's very narrow, really narrow. And Jesus said in John 10 and 9, I am the door, or I am the gate. 
If by me any man enters, he will be saved. I'm the door. I'm the gate to the narrow way. Acts 4 and 12, Peter agrees with this. He says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's pretty narrow, isn't it? He made that clear. Apostle Paul makes it clear. 1 Timothy 2.5 There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Very narrow. Just one way. And Jesus nailed it when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There is no other way. And so it is a narrow way. Even though the invitations to the whole world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But they can only come in one at a time. It's such a narrow way. Aren't you glad today that you're on the narrow way? We were all on the broad way. Some of us were really on the broad way. But then Christ came and he saved our eternal souls. And we left that broad way behind. Thank God we left it behind. And we're on the narrow way. Glory to God. We're on Christ's highway, which is a wonderful thing. And you know what? Even though he says, few there be that find it, relatively speaking. But you know that today, there are more Christians in the world today than there's ever been in history. And the Bible says in the end, there'll be great multitudes, myriads, incalculable numbers that no man can number. <laughs> They'll be born again and washed in the blood of the Lamb. Heaven is going to be filled to capacity, glory to God, with people who's walked this narrow way on this earth. Amen? Amen. 